Have you ever asked somebody for directions and they responded, hey, just follow me and I'll show you how to get there. Isn't that a whole lot better than trying to interpret what they said and left and right and north and south? And it really does make a difference if somebody will just show you how to get there. I was at a hospital in Boise a couple of years ago and I was trying to find my way from radiology clear at the south end of the complex and try, you know which hospital I'm talking about, St. Al's, and trying to find my way back to the main entrance because I was parked several miles away, as it were, seemed in the parking lot, out there off the main entrance. And uh, I took a wrong turn someplace in those corridors. I was trying to follow the little signs and stuff. Didn't know at the time that I needed cataract surgery. So who knows what I was, I was reading. And the irony is, as an architect, I've helped design hospitals. But I'm like the museum curator in that Indiana Jones movie who gets lost in his own museum. I've gotten lost in hospitals that I've helped design. Well, I was good and lost at this hospital, so I stopped a janitor who was vacuuming the carpet, and I asked how to get to the main entrance. How do, you, how do I get to the main entrance from here? And she stopped and paused and said, I don't know. <laughs> Come to find out, I was almost there. If I'd taken a right at the vacuum, I would have gone just past the restrooms on the left-hand side and would have come out at the, the main foyer. How much better it was just this last month when we were going from the ICU to a regular hospital room and a nurse led us down to where the elevators were. We broke into two groups. We went down the elevators. She told us what to do once we got there. We, we lost track of her for a time uh, after the elevators, but it didn't take very long when we were back together and she took us right to the right room. You know, it's the same way in the Christian life, the life that we have in Christ Jesus. It's all about who or what we follow and where it leads. And the Bible calls this our walk. How we walk through this life. In Romans chapter 8 verse 4, right before what we read this morning, it says that we are not to walk according to the flesh, but we are to walk according to the Spirit of God. Now it's helpful if we understand what does that mean to walk? What did that mean in the ancient world? What does the Bible mean when we talk about our Christian walk or how we walk? And it's really not the same thing as we're teaching a baby how to, to walk or when we go for a walk, go for a walk or a leisurely stroll. It, it means so much more than putting one foot in front of the other. It refers to walking together with someone else, particularly on a long journey. Through the prophet Amos, God asked the people of Israel a question. And the question was, was this, can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? And this takes us back to the old days when men and women made long journeys on foot, where walking was the most common mode of travel. You, you had to walk to get from one town uh, to another. And I've, I've adapted an illustration from A.W. Tozier. Tozier says that two men are preparing to travel. So one man said, I'm going to a certain town. And the other man said, well, I am too. When are you going? The traveler says, I'm going tomorrow. So this raises a question. Would they go together or each one go off by himself? Now, if they're going to walk together, as the disciples did on the road to Emmaus when they left Jerusalem on that resurrection morn, if they're going to travel together, if they're going to walk together, 
there are a few things that they have to agree upon. Amos asked the question, can two walk together except they be agreed? So what do they need to agree on? First of all, they need to agree on the direction and the destination that they're going to travel. Where are they going and which direction are they going? So one asks, you're going to such and such a town? Yes, comes the reply. Well, I'm not going there. Therefore, they'd have to shake hands, they'd depart, because two men cannot walk together when one man is going to one city and another man's going to another city. They may be able to walk together for a while, but eventually they've got to go different directions. Secondly, they'd also have to agree on which path to take if there's several paths. Well, which one, you know, should we take the high road or the low road, as the song says. Uh, they'd have to agree on the rate of speed that they're going to walk. One man would say, hey, I'm a very fast walker. The other man might say, well, I just clump along. I can hardly make it at all. And so they would say, well, there's no use for us to walk together because I am so slow. One would say, and I would bore you. The other man would say, no, I'm so fast I would trouble you. So they would not go together. Then they would have to agree whether they even wanted to walk together. Do they want to walk together at all? There are those who just want to walk by themselves. They like to travel by themselves. And as you know, there are certain people that you would not want to travel with. And somebody came to mind as I was, I was saying that. You have to decide whether you want to walk together or not, whether it's advantageous for both parties concerned, whether there is incompatibility that might make the, the trip unpleasant. For two to walk together, they must be in agreement. They must be one. They must agree on the things that matter if they're going to walk together. And the same thing is true when it comes to our Christian life, our walk. When it comes to our journey through this life, our destination, how we walk, and who we walk with depends upon certain agreements. We have to agree on the direction. We have to agree on the destination. We have to agree on the paths that we take, and we have to agree on exactly how we are going to walk. So look at verse 4 of Romans chapter 8, the fourth verse of the eighth chapter of Romans, because this is very clear on this, because Paul shows us that there are only two ways to live your life. There are only two ways to walk through this life, to walk this earth. We are either going to walk in agreement with our fleshly desires, or we're going to walk in agreement with the Holy Spirit. In verse 4 of Romans chapter 8, it says, God sent his son, verse 4, God sent his son so that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So we can either walk according to the flesh, in agreement with the flesh, or we can walk in accordance with the Holy Spirit, in agreement with the Holy Spirit. And we also see here, where does each one of these walks take us? Where is the journey? So verse 6 gives us the destinations. In the same way, there's only two ways to walk. There's only two destinations. Verse 6 says, for the mindset on the flesh is death. Death is the destination, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And it all depends upon how you walk. It depends upon who or what you're in agreement with in your walk? Are you in agreement with the flesh? Or are you in agreement with the Spirit of God? Are you going to walk according to the flesh? Or are you going to walk according to the Spirit of God? Is the flesh your constant companion? 
as you carry out the deeds of the flesh, or is the Holy Spirit your constant companion as you obey God? And this raises a question here that's a good place to talk about this. As to why the, the Holy Spirit came as Jesus promised he would. Why does the Holy Spirit come and live on the inside of us? Why does the Holy Spirit indwell us? Why does the Holy Spirit empower us and equip us as believers? Why does the Holy Spirit give each one of us unique spiritual gifts for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ? And this is it in a nutshell. The Holy Spirit is the way that Jesus lives his life in us and through us for his glory. The Holy Spirit is the way that Jesus lives his life in us and through us for his glory. That's why Jesus sent his spirit. It's really what the Christian life is all about. And I believe I put this in the notes this morning. The Christian life, the Christian walk, is living submissive to the Holy Spirit who indwells you for the primary purpose of Jesus Christ living his life in you and through you. That's why the Holy Spirit came. He came to do in us and through us and for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He came to be our constant companion as we journey through this life so that we'd live a godly life, so that we'd live a life of holiness, we would live a life of obedience, so that he would fulfill his purposes that he has for us and take us safely home to the destination that he has promised to us. So the question is, how do we walk by the Spirit? We know that the Holy Spirit's indwelling us, right? We know that he leads us. We know that he guides us. He directs us. He empowers us. He strengthens us. So how do I walk in the Spirit? This is the practical. So let me give you a definition of what it means to walk in the Spirit that I got from Dr. Charles Stanley. Here's what it means to walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit is to live moment by moment in dependency upon him, sensitive to his voice, and in obedience to him. Three key words there, dependency, sensitive, obedience. To walk in the Spirit is to live moment by moment in dependency upon him, sensitive to his voice, in obedience to him. So how do I do that? If I'm going to live moment by moment in the power of the Holy Spirit, there is something that I must do, and I must do it, immediately. What is that? What is it that I must do and I've got to do right now? It is this. If I am to walk moment by moment in the power of the Holy Spirit, I must obey the initial promptings of His Spirit. Key word there, initial. The moment we feel it, the moment we hear it, I must obey the initial promptings of the Spirit. If there's a fork in the road and the Holy Spirit leads one way, I must immediately obey that. If there's an obstacle, I must obey what the Holy Spirit tells me to do. If the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, then obedience is doing it when he says to do it, right? Think about it this way. You ask your son to take out the trash. He says what? I'll do it later. Never heard that? You look at me like you've never heard your son say that before. Or you've never said it. I'll do it later. You know he has no intention of doing it later. And you know that later is probably going to be too late anyway because you got company coming to the house. At that moment, the son is in disobedience. 
He's not going to do what you told him to do or asked him to do when you told him to do it. You know, we have a great word for that. It's called rebellion. Whoa. <laughs> Ouch, somebody said. <laughs> rebellion is doing it when you want to do it and how you want to do it or you don't do it at all. Rebellion is doing what you want to do, how you want to do it, or you don't do it at all. Is it really any different with our Heavenly Father and our obedience to Him? You know, a lot of Christians would be shocked to realize that they're living in rebellion against God. Because whatever God asks of them, they only want to do it when they want to do it and how they want to do it, or they don't do it at all. When the Holy Spirit prompts us to do something, you know, He speaks to our conscience. He speaks to the Spirit within us. You know, we might be studying His Word and we're convicted or we're encouraged about a, a certain matter and we just know that this is what God wants us to do. It might be something He wants us to do. It might be someone He wants us to talk to or someone He wants us to love or serve in a particular way. It might be something that He wants us to support. You know, we're listening to a missionary and we're looking at the slides, those kind of things, and God says, give. Well, I think I'll think about that maybe later. No, there is no later. It could be as the, the word of the Spirit, which the Bible says, His word is, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the left and when you turn to the right. Now, if you're like me, you want to think about it, right? Go, is that really, do you think, yeah, is that really the best thing for me to do? Do I really have time for it? Let me check my schedule. Those kind of things. Did you know that the Holy Spirit's under no obligation to explain to me why? <laughs> to explain to me why he tells me to do something or tells me a particular path to take? You know, what we underneath, need to understand in this is that it's foolishness to try to live apart from him. We all know that we face three enemies as we walk this earth. There's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And all three want to be our constant companion. All three of us want to bring that thing and bring it into our house where we look at it several hours a day and, you know, let's bring the world in and look at that. The world, the flesh, and the devil, the whole idea, the world and the, and the devil want to use the flesh to get us off track. You know, we really haven't defined much the flesh, even though we've talked about it a lot in Romans, but let me put it in very practical terms. The flesh is that tendency within each one of us that wants you to do wrong until you die. The flesh is that tendency in you that wants you to do wrong until you die. That flesh is that tendency within you that wants to lead you in the wrong direction. To walk in the Spirit means that moment by moment you obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that you listen to the Holy Spirit instead of the flesh that wants you to do wrong. So let me ask you a question. I got this from Charles Stanley as well. How long can you live without sinning? <laughs> How many minutes came to your mind? Can you live five minutes without sinning? Everybody's kind of shaking their head. Five minutes without a single sinful thought, without a word, sinful word, or without an action. Even, why wouldn't that man up front shut up or something like that? <laughs> 
Now, now, if I asked you to stand, if you thought you could go 10 minutes without sinning, 10 minutes without sinning, if I asked you to stand, would you stand up? Most of us would just sin by standing up, right? <laughs> Do you get that? <laughs> yeah. Let me turn this around. Do you mean to tell me that you sin every five minutes? That you sin at least every ten minutes? Isn't that basically what we're saying here? Did you know that you can go a lot longer than five, ten, twenty minutes? A lot longer, you know why? Because you have the Spirit of God in you. God is leading you. You are in agreement with the Spirit. And if you yield to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, He's always going to lead you in the right direction. I'm not saying that you'll yield perfectly every time and you won't obey and get off track. But that is what walking in the Spirit is all about. So please turn to Romans chapter 8, this time at verse 5. The fifth verse of the eighth chapter of Romans because... Romans chapter 8, verse 5, in this we find the key to our obedience. What is it that the Holy Spirit uses so that we can respond immediately to His initial prompting? Remember what we said, to walk in the Spirit is to live moment by moment in dependency upon Him, sensitive to His voice, in obedience to Him. Our obedience, Paul tells us here, depends upon our, our mindset our mindset. Verse 5. For the things, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And how important is our mindset? Because our mindset determines our destination in life. Not only how we walk, but our destination. And we see the destinations in verse 6. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Now, wouldn't we want that? Life and peace. The phrase to set the mind comes from a Greek word that means whatever is the absorbing objects of thought, whatever absorbs our interest, our affection, our purpose. The question is really, what preoccupies us? What is the ambition that drives us? What are the concerns that engross us in how we spend our time, how we spend our energies, how we spend our, our money? What is it that we concentrate on and our mind keeps coming back to? What do we give ourselves up? And the Apostle Paul here once again contrasts two distinct ways of living, two ways of walking. One is to follow as a way of life the dictates and desires of a person's lower nature the flesh. Those who choose to live according to the flesh, according to their sinful nature, set their mind and set their hearts on what their sinful nature desires. They are preoccupied with the, the desires and the sins of the flesh. They concentrate on the flesh in exclusion to everything else. Even the apostle Peter fell into this trap when Jesus told his disciples that he was going to the cross Peter rebuked the Lord. You know, we really need to be careful when we ever say to, to the Lord, Lord, may it never be. <laughs> it can't be Lord and may it never be at the same time. 
And so Jesus said he's going to the cross and Peter rebuked the Lord and said, Lord, that will never happen to you. And Jesus responded by saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Wow. You are a stumbling block to me. For you, Peter, are not set in your mind on God's interest, but man's. Now, Peter was not trying to be desperately wicked here, but he was looking at things from a completely worldly point of view. And if he continued on that track, he would be on the same track as Satan. And so in Romans, Paul is saying something of that sort about fleshly people. They can have good intentions. They might really be pretty good people. But their horizon is bounded by the things of this life. All they can see is the things of, of this life. The flesh and the needs of the flesh is the focus of their whole life. So turn for a moment over to Paul's letter to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. The 16th verse of Galatians chapter 5, page 1428. And once again here, Paul is contrasting the two ways to live. You can walk by the Spirit, or you can walk by the flesh. The 16th verse of the 5th chapter of Galatians. Here Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, that's... And then verse 19 goes on. Paul describes what this walking by the flesh looks like. Verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Okay, that's, that's, that's what it looks like. And what is the destination? If that's the way people are going to walk according to the flesh, what is destination? Middle of, or verse 21 again, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In short, those who walk according to the flesh cut themselves off from the blessings that Christ offers, including all the blessings that are afforded in the kingdom of God. You walk in the flesh, you cut off all the blessings of God. Those who live by the flesh live by the desires within them that are not of God. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. Their, their mindset determines both the direction and the destination of their walk. But, says Paul, those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, every one of us has a mindset. We all have a mindset. We set our minds. We get up in the morning with a mindset. Of course, I've said I'm, I'm not a morning person. First thing I do when wake up in the morning is prayer. And my prayer is this, oh God. 
<laughs> you know, I am tired. I don't want to do this. You know, I have to really work on my mindset because in the morning, you know, when the dew is on the roses, I'm all thorns. And if you don't believe that, just ask my lovely wife, who's a, a morning person. We, we, we married out of our species, both of us. You, you wake up in the morning with a mindset. You get started with a mindset. You might be, I'm going to do my best today. I'm excited about my job. I'm going to do my best. Or your mindset might be, I'm going to do as little as I can today. Mindset could be, I'm going to reach the top if I have to step on people and mash them down. I'm going to get there. Or your mindset, I'm going to help my neighbor today. Everyone has a mindset of some sort. If I live according to the flesh, if my mind is set on the things of the flesh, we live by that internal feeling that I want to act outside the will of God. And we're going to live by the flesh. So go back to, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, back at the 6th verse again. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Verse 7. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. The mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. When you set your mind on the things of the flesh, at that moment your attitude towards God is hostile. If you live to sin against God, you're acting hostile to Him. Verse 8, And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if that is the case, how do I live according to the Spirit? We need to know and understand that every single one of us has two battles going on all the time. Two battles, especially when we face some kind of temptation, or two battles when we come to that fork in the road, or we have to make that all-important decision. First of all, there's the battle in the mind. There's the battle in the mind. And secondly, there's the battle in our behavior, what we do. Now, don't miss this. Young people don't miss this, okay? <laughs> I couldn't whistle. <laughs> Never could whistle that way. Okay, young people don't miss this. If you lose the battle in the mind, you'll lose the battle in your behavior every time. It all begins in the mind. It all begins in our mindset. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, Guys, for as a man thinks within himself, so is he. Jesus said that the things that come out of the mind or come out of the mouth come from where? They come out of the heart. They come out of the inner being in the person. And get this, what the mind thinks, what the mind thinks governs what you see, governs what you watch, it governs what you hear, it determines how you speak, how you walk, how you talk, how you handle everything, you name it. The first battle of temptation is the battle in the mind. Years ago, we used to have a saying with computers, you know, and it's kind of interesting that uh, our brand new computer locks up on a regular basis. And uh, that, that saying in the computer world was G-I-G-O. Anybody remember what that means? Garbage in, garbage out. The information you put into the computer and the information you get out is only going to be as good as the information you put in. 
Whatever you put into your mind is that which is going to come out. If you watch certain things, you know, I'll be watching TV sometimes and I go, I wish I'd never got that visual. I wish I'd never seen that, that stupid thing. You know, G-I-G-O, if all we're in is taking garbage into our minds, only garbage is going to come out. It's going to be very difficult to pollute our minds with all the garbage that's going on today and think we're going to walk according to the Spirit. So I have to have a mindset. I must choose to obey God. I choose not to walk that way. I choose not to look at that. I choose not to give to that. I choose not to withhold from this other thing. That we have a mindset. There's a battle going on in each one of us, and we win that battle as a result of doing what? We win the battle by yielding to and responding to the initial prompting of the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit of God says, don't go that direction, and you just keep traveling, you are acting hostile to God. That's what it says there. You're acting hostile to God who loves you and has the best plan available for you. And you're headed in the wrong direction. And since you have chosen to do so, it's disobedience. It's rebellion against God. It's hostility towards a loving God who came to this earth, who laid down his life in order that you might be saved. It's hostility towards God. You can camouflage it. You can rationalize it. You can blame others for it. You can blame your circumstances. You can paint it a different color so it doesn't look so bad. You can use any kind of vocabulary you want. Call it whatever you want but it's hostility towards God. That's what God says it is. So you have to decide, am I going to walk by the Spirit or am I going to walk by the flesh? But if I want God's best, I'm going to have to have a mindset. So what do we need to do? We need to set our minds. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. When do we prepare our minds for action? When? When do we prepare our minds for the battle? When do we prepare for a battle? When the battle comes, when the enemy's coming against us? No, we have to do it before the action. We know we're going to face temptation today, right? How many think you're going to get through the whole day without facing any temptation? We, we know it, it's coming. We know that we're probably going to at some point today have to make very difficult decisions on where we walk. Don't wait for the temptation to come. Don't wait until you have a decision to, to, to make your mind up about. Set your mind ahead of time before it, it's too late. Set your mind now. Walk in the Spirit now. Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 1. He said, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking. Keep on seeking. It's in the present perfect tense there. Keep seeking constantly, consistently. Keep seeking. What? He says, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things which are on this earth. Jesus said a similar thing about our treasure. Where our treasure is, there our heart is also. If our treasure is in heaven, that's where our mindset is. That's what we're looking for. If our treasure is on earth, we're looking at that. So how do we do that? How do we set our minds? One more verse in Scripture pretty much sums it up. Turn to Paul's letter to the Philippians. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians 4, 8. How many of you know this one by heart? <laughs> if you don't know it by heart, memorize it. Keep coming back to it. Mark it in your Bibles. It's one that we can keep coming back to. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And he has just said in verse 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your what? Your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, then it says literally, let your mind dwell or ponder on these things. Let your mind dwell on these things. Meditate on these things. Set your mind on, on these things. And if you do, the promise is that when you face temptation, you're not going to carry out the deeds of the flesh. When you go through something that you think is going to take you the wrong direction, you will walk in the Spirit. You'll be in agreement with Him. The Holy Spirit will be your constant companion. He will guide your steps. The promise is he'll lead you into righteousness. And then the final promise is he will take you safely home to your destination. And in that process, you'll grow in holiness as well. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that he came to live in us so we could do those things which we could not do for ourselves. We could obey those things of you, Lord, that uh, we do not have within our, our flesh to obey, Father. Lord, I pray that as we continue through this eighth chapter of Romans and learn more and more what it means to be led by the Spirit of God, to walk by the Spirit of God, that, Father, you would just take us each step of the way, as it were, through these very important truths in your words, Father. But right now, Father, I pray that you would be working in each one of us with our, our mindset that even as we go out of this place this morning and leave this time of, of worship and praise and, and hearing your word, Father, that we would have a desire to think upon those things that are lovely and true and, and uh, all that list, Father, that you have given to us, Lord. And even help us to think about it in terms of, of what we watch, what we do, what we fill our minds with, Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit would put a, a protection around our minds even as we put on the helmet of salvation and understanding what Jesus Christ has done for us, Lord, that you would give us the protection. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.